Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. There can be a misconception in the healing world that we are broken and need to fix and change ourselves. But the truth is that we are already whole and complete. Parts work allows us to see all parts of ourselves, especially the hard and challenging parts, as not only playing an important role, but are absolutely necessary in our healing. And when we can learn how to fully support ourselves and provide all these parts of ourselves with compassion and love, this is where we see there is absolutely no change necessary. Ooh, hello. Hi, 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 hi. It's been a while. <laughs> It was. And look at you, Smoke Show, with that good intro. The first time. That might have <laughs> that might have thrown people off, me doing an intro for the first time. For all listeners, Christina actually has done one episode. No, oh. I don't know what episode that you have before. Did I but actually? Yes. Oh, I didn't we'll even have to ask. That. We'll have to ask our audience. We will. <laughs> Which one did I do an intro on? Because I don't remember. Yeah, it has been a while, but uh, yeah, we've been busy. We've been birthing a new child, not in physical form. Well, I guess it is in physical form, but like, no, we both only have two children. Yes, <laughs> but, but a, a, a new child with another partner. <laughs> well, this That's is good. Dre, if you're listening. Yeah, I'm sure for those who follow us on social media, you guys know that Christina, myself, and our, our girlfriend, Dre, um, have created uh, conversations with her, well, I want to call them workshops, sessions, whatever we want to call them, but we're on like our sixth. Yeah, coming sixth, up, our sixth one. Our sixth session. Uh, and so it has been like, you know, birthing and raising a new child. And so yeah. the podcast is taking a little bit of a backseat, but we're excited to be here. Um, what has kept us so busy is actually our fall series for conversations with her. And so if anyone is listening and has been interested in coming, that's local in the lower mainland of BC. Third of our final of this series of the fall series is November 23rd. So anyways, reach out if you're interested. There is some space left if uh, you feel called. Yeah sign up, sign up. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's interesting reflecting on the topic for today. It's, this one's near and dear to my heart because I was introduced to parts work last year when I started working with a somatic therapist and, you know, I know you've dabbled in it a little bit as well, Tess, but what we're going to talk about today, this could really be a big game changer in your healing journey because it's really about, you know, just like in the intro, and this is what's really changed the game for me is these really hard, challenging pieces that come up. You know, I think we want to resist them because they're so uncomfortable. And actually, we've never been taught how to feel those and how to sit with them and hold space for them. But when we can learn how to hold space for these tough parts of ourselves with compassion and patience, like we would a young child or would try to, that's where everything changes. 
and Mm. just to be able to get this information out to our listeners, because this is such, such important work. Yeah, I completely agree. For me, it was sort of a key to unlocking this piece of understanding that I had never had. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. I think through that awareness and understanding, you almost feel like you gain this new sense of, oh, that's who I am, you know? I don't know, it's hard to describe, but I think it gives you that ability and opportunity to have that empathy and compassion that um, you're speaking about. Yeah, totally. So, and, and I think maybe we can start with what is parts work to give everyone an idea of, you know, what it is that we're going to be diving into today, because there's a lot of different ways that you can approach this. And I will say to start with, if you've never heard of parts work, uh, Richard Schwartz was, is the founder of the internal family systems model. And this is where parts work originates from. Um, The book, No Bad Parts, is a great book to start with Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to learn about parts work. This is a book that um, that I dove into while I was doing my somatic healing. And then from there, I got more interested in it. And I um, did a somatic certification course. And it really just helped me not only learn how to support myself better, but also clients when these parts would come up. Because, you know, we all have these parts that come up within us, again, that feel uncomfortable or challenging. And it's so important to be able to know how to support them. Mm -hmm. And first and foremost, when it comes to doing parts work, this is about coming home to the body. It is about building awareness of the different parts that are showing up within you and learning how to bring cohesion and healing within yourself. So the way that I like to think about it is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle inside of us. And it's about figuring out the pieces that are showing up and where do they go? And sometimes it's about turning them around and looking at them better and figuring out, oh, maybe this works better over here. And it's not, and I wanna just make this clear, it's not that we are broken and we have to be fixed. It's actually just about bringing cohesion to all the parts. Mm -hmm. Nothing needs to be replaced or changed. It's actually about figuring out how to bring unity and harmony to the whole system. Yeah, a way I like to think of it is building on what you're saying there is that the more fragmented we are, meaning like the less connected we are, the less understanding we have of who we are, these parts Mm -hmm. that make up this whole person, the more broken we feel. It doesn't mean that we are that broken, but you Mm -hmm. feel very disjointed. Um, And then once you're able to begin that awareness, identifying what parts actually live within you that's where you can create that sense of wholeness, that cohesion that we all have in us, but we don't necessarily feel it because things are working not in parallel with one another. They're they're fighting each other, right? Just like I, I, whenever I think of IFS, the internal family systems, I think of an actual little family inside me like bickering. And it's like, how do we create cohesion there? Yeah. We're all working. And this might sound quite like ambiguous to people or like, what parts are we even talking about? Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. So hold tight. Yeah. And I, but I do love that you're bringing up kind of a visual even of like how this could look within you. And similarly, I imagine like a table inside of me and all the parts being able to sit at the table and have a voice, mm-hmm. um, just like at a, maybe at a family dinner, not necessarily a typical one for everybody, but 
we would like to be able to all sit at the table and have a voice. Mm -hmm. And similarly, all the parts within us want to be able to have a voice. And when certain parts aren't heard or aren't supported, and this would be those fragmented parts of us that would have experienced hard things growing up, pain, trauma, right? These parts then fragment, some get exiled. We're going to talk about all the different names and what it means, but some of these parts get exiled, banished, put away because they are too hard to process. And then we get these other parts, the protectors that come online that are kind of like the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually about allowing the protectors to feel safe and supported to calm down and sit down at the table versus like maybe standing up and screaming. <laughs> and that. then when there's safety, the ex the exiled parts then also start to learn how to have a voice and feel supported mm -hmm. as well. And for anyone listening who's still a bit like, okay, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm beginning to form an understanding of what this parts work is, but especially if it's new to you, one way that I began thinking about it and looking within myself first was actually more in terms of the versions of myself I can remember, especially like when you think of like an age range. So mm -hmm. a lot of people refer to like inner child. That is you could almost call that a part of you. Typically that inner child will present as, and Christina will get into it a little bit later in the episode, but a manager or a firefighter. And those are like weird terms we're using, but you'll understand once we define what those are. Um, but, you know, typically you can also associate a phase in your life or an age range with a specific part. So I first kind of began thinking of it, this analogy I've given it before, but an onion where, you know, you start off as like an onion bulb and then each layer that gets added to the onion is like your next birthday and the next version of you and starting with the you know the baby or the inner child and then the young kid and then the youth and then the adolescent and young adult like each of those is a different version of you or a different part of you and typically will present in one of these sort of more defined uh, parts that we'll explain in a little bit yeah yeah and I love that onion analogy because what you will start to find with this work is that the hardest parts to get to mm -hmm. the ones that you really need to get to those exiled parts of you are going to be the most vulnerable and the most heavily protected. It's like that bulb in the onion. And so I yeah. love that analogy. It's a great way to think of it. Yeah. So maybe we can go through the different, like what are the different parts when it comes to the internal family systems model to give you an idea of, you know, what are you working with here to help you build a better understanding of when these parts are showing up, what is actually going on here or how are they represented? So I'm going to break this down into a few different pieces. I'm going to explain to you your exiled parts. I'm going to explain to you your protector parts, and these will show up as managers or firefighters. And then I'm also going to spend some time explaining the self, capital S self. So some could even think of this as like a higher self. Some could think of this as um, the inner parent, whatever that, you know, everybody has a different way of how we do this healing work. Um, but yeah, we'll go through that piece. So when it comes to your exiled parts, so again, if we're thinking of that onion, the, the, that uh, bulb at the core, right, your exiled parts, these are the deeper, more vulnerable parts of you that the other parts, the protectors, try to keep hidden and locked away. These are often the parts of you that are very young and tender and carry the burden 
of the pain, trauma, fear, shame, guilt, and really any hard emotion you experienced when you were younger. So another way to think of your exiled parts are your deepest inner child wounds, right? Mm -hmm. And when we experience a lot of pain, even, you know, and I don't really like to say lots of pain or less pain, like pain is pain. But when we experience it, and we aren't able to process that or feel supported in that, it these parts of us, these really vulnerable parts of us then get kind of banished from the system because it feels the, the rest of the system is trying to protect these parts. So they get put away, they get exiled, okay? And what then starts to come online and when I say online, what then starts to become kind of like the gatekeepers inside of you, um, the ones that are defending inside of you are your protector parts. Now, your protector parts are going to show up in a couple different ways. One way is they will represent as managers. So your managers are the parts of you that work to keep you safe by trying to be preventative and proactive in their actions. So your managers will present as self-criticism. They will present as needing control or being controlling. They will present as being a caretaker or a perfectionist. So notice that in all of those examples, there is a preventative energy. There is a, oh, I need to do this before this happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then... Another way your protectors will show up as is as firefighters, okay? So think about like a fire. When the firefighters get there, they're trying to put out the fire. So there is an after-the-fact action that is taking place. So your firefighters are the parts of you that come out when the exiled parts want or need attention, and they are reactive in their actions. They can work to distract you from witnessing these deeper, more vulnerable parts and do so through compulsive behaviors, such as obsession, distraction, disassociation, self-harm, compulsion. Mm -hmm. So your firefighters are going to show up in a reactive way. So it's when you start to feel those really hard emotions or that really hard experience, when you get triggered by maybe that deeper wound or you get triggered externally by something and then that deeper wound is showing up and it's like your system's like, we can't deal with this. We can't feel this. It's already happening. So the firefighters come out, put out the fire, and they will do whatever it takes to not feel that. Hmm. Go on your phone, distract, go into obsessive thoughts, harm yourself in some way, drink, do drugs, like whatever that looks like, disassociate in some way, go off and start fantasizing about something, whatever it takes to not feel that. Yeah. I've, I heard once that our protectors show up to prevent our exiled parts from feeling any more pain mm -hmm. so as much as you know what, what you just listed off there can sound like oh like why would i do that to myself like blah blah blah, blah. It's, it's actually a mechanism that's designed to keep us safe right yes. because there was a point where that part couldn't actually sit in those feelings right yeah. if you were a little kid and who knows you were bullied or whatever and you didn't have the tools or the voice to be able to move through that you kind of lock it away and then you create a habit of never having to revisit it because yes. you can't yeah um but i guess where we're going to get to is that 
it's never that the part of you is bad. It's that the behavior or reaction sometimes no longer serves us. And there's other things we can do. Right. But, and that's, that's such an important piece is beginning to look at these parts of ourselves from a different perspective in a different light in that they're not bad. There's no bad parts. They're Mm -hmm. always trying to keep us safe. Even if that action or reaction or behavior isn't quote unquote good for us, you know? And, and I was going to say, and this is why I'm not a fan anymore of the saying self-sabotage. I even caught myself earlier saying it. I'm not really a fan of that saying because these parts aren't trying to sabotage us. They're not trying to wreck our lives. They're not trying to get us in trouble. They're not trying to keep us stuck in a hole or in a dark place. They're trying to protect us from feeling that pain. Yeah. When you flip it like that, how can you be mad? Right. Mm. It gives you that compassion, empathy you talked about earlier. It's almost like imagining your own kid. And if they were sleep deprived and were acting out, you wouldn't be like, you're the worst kid in the world. You know, your behavior is awful. You'd, you would have this compassion understanding like, yeah, that was a really late night. I can understand how this is happening. Right. You'd have this, a bit of compassion for your kid. So it's kind of the same way we have to approach our parts. (laughs) Well, and because these parts of us, whether it's your protectors, or your exiled parts, they're really young parts of us. Mm-hmm. And they formed at young ages. It's not just the young, vulnerable, exiled parts. It's these protectors that had to come online to start to protect us because we weren't being protected in different ways or supported. And those are young parts too. Yeah. But yeah, and I love that piece that you brought up about being able to see your child in a different way too, because parts work has by far changed, completely changed my relationship with the kids when they Mm. are having these, I I shouldn't say completely changed it. It's like my healing journey has completely changed it, but parts work took it to a whole other level in being Mm. able to really maintain and embody that compassion and that understanding when their hard parts are showing up, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trying to protect them, you know? For sure. So then we come to the self capital S self. This is also a very important part of you. And sometimes until we start doing this work, we may not have access to our higher self, to our deeper self. So this is the deeper core part of you that is able to witness all these other parts when they occur. Some view this as your higher self, your intuition, your inner loving parent, doesn't really matter how you label it. But the idea is to actually start to understand how it feels when it's showing up, right? And you will notice that when your capital S self is in the driver's seat, this is when you are feeling the four C's, when you are curious, when you are feeling connected, when you're feeling compassionate, and when you're feeling calm. Hmm. So that's a really important part. And I think sometimes we really don't, have access to that higher self, that deeper self, that capitalized self until we start doing this work. (laughs) Really took the thoughts out of my brain and just spoke them. I was thinking, when did I first discover like myself, capital S? And it's so funny. I was just reflecting that pretty much up until my major rock bottom in 2021, my manager was 
running the show. Mm. (laughs) Like I never sat still enough to ever connect to the intuition, my higher self, that voice, you know, inside of you that's calm and grounded. I was constantly in a state of doing, 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 so that I never had to connect to any, not that I was trying to avoid connecting to myself, but I was avoid connecting to any exiled part or any pain, right? And it's, so a lot of the time I think, I think this is just really important and why it's sort of coming through to me is that, you know, if we're doing something that by society standards is bad, like, oh, we're doing drugs or we're doing whatever, you're almost going to be called to like, well, what am I, what am I covering up? But when managers present in a way that is almost condoned by society or supported, like, oh, you're such a high achiever. You're a working like a dog. Yeah. Like you go, or your house is so immaculate. You could eat off the floors. It's like, go you. And actually I was talking about a girlfriend about this today. I said, it almost perpetuates it to a whole nother level (laughs) because at least if you're doing something that's deemed not good, people like, Hey, what's up with you? Do you need therapy? Do you need like, you know, what's going on inside of you? What are you struggling with? But when you're presenting in this like perfectionist overachieving way, it gets almost really hard to ever connect to the self because it's so like applauded in in a way. Yeah. Well, and even some of the firefighter parts that come up, like needing to turn to wine or alcohol, like that's also Mm -hmm. okay to do in our society. I think it's starting to shift how we view alcohol, but you're right it's, it becomes an uphill battle when there are these protector parts that are applauded in our society. Mm -hmm. When it's like, well, why would we look at them if that's actually something that we're told to do, or there's an expectation or it's like a badge of honor. Yeah. I think just this, this, this podcast and this topic is so interesting because I went most of my life thinking that I was a singular being and not to sound like woo woo, but when you were, this is all rooted in psychology, by the way, everything we're talking about in this episode, this is like scientific. It's been studied for a long time by these people that that we're talking about, Richard Swartz, Swartz and whatnot. But when you begin to really understand the breakdown of the parts, you can really see them like live in the flesh, like in your everyday experiences. And it is mind boggling because we're not singular. Like we're so complex, like the layers of an onion, right? It's, it's fascinating. And we always ask each other this, we go, who's, who's behind the wheel right now? Who's behind the wheel, right? And so we'll get into practices in a bit, but that's always a really good one. When you're triggered, when there's something going on for you, sit for a moment in silence, close your eyes and think of the exiled parts, the protectors within you who's driving the car. Yeah. Right. And, and I do want to add there too. I think that this part, this really fascinated me too. When I was listening to podcasts with podcasts with Richard Schwartz, when I first learned about IFS, he worked for many, many years in jails with some Mm -hmm. of the quote unquote worst criminals that you could think of that had done horrendous acts Mm -hmm. of crime. And, you know, he really used the IFS model and parts work with these criminals. And he would be able to, in working with them, get down to these very deeply hurt, protected, exiled parts. It breaks my heart even talking about it 
and I really resonate with this because I also had these really deep exile parts and still do that I've learned to work with. And I truly think that at the root of all of our mental health challenges, whether it's bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and this is me talking in my personal experience, doing healing work and, and, and like listening and reading and doing all of this. I'm not saying I'm a professional, but intuitively, I feel that at the, the base of all of this mental health epidemic we are having in this world is trauma and these deep, deep parts of us that have experienced so much pain and have been put away and these protectors that come online that are, you know, really playing these roles to try to protect us, but are coming out in very, you know, not good ways. A hundred percent. I mean, it's one thing to even not like to actually show up as yourself, like to the world, but actually towards you. Like I went 30 years without really knowing who I was and all the things that these protectors had masked and were underneath. I didn't even know I was still dealing with half of that stuff. Mm. I always think of that movie, you know, The Purge, which is like, oh my gosh, I could never watch it. It sounds so scary, but I always imagine, imagine there was a day in the world where everyone just had to like demask and de-layer and they could say all the things that they they really felt and show all the parts of themselves like it would be the biggest day of healing it would be a national day mm. <laughs> like it would be declared because i bet you it would solve like a hundred family dynamic problems relationship problems probably world problems at that point yeah, yeah. imagine if there was just a 24-hour period uh, where you had to be completely honest and so much at the root of so much of all of this is shame and yeah. when we can speak our shame and be in it and feel this compassion and that that's what's made like allowed me to heal through so much is being able to hold my shame 100 percent, and you know again back to this core of the onion again i've said this in other episodes but when you are a child and anything that happens externally to you cognitive dissonance you do not have the brain capacity to understand that things outside of you are not impacted by you. Like you think everything that happens externally to me is because of me. And so shame is, you know, on the, on the scale of emotions, it is the bottom of the bottom. Shame is the most dismantling emotion of them. And that is the one I would say we are most susceptible to feeling as children, because when anything external to us happens that is bad, we feel immense shame because we we don't have the capacity to understand that it wasn't caused by us. Mm-hmm. We assume everything is caused by us as kids. And so I think back to your point about what's happening in the world, I think that so much of this happens in childhood and it gets locked out of our consciousness yeah. and we don't deal with it. And we're all walking around with these big bags of shame. Yeah. <laughs> and it is like the lowest vibration of all the emotions. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and so being able to like learn how to support ourselves and, and, and being able to detach, it's not about bypassing any of it. And shame is a really, it can be a really uncomfortable one to sit with, but it's actually about learning how to detach and see it and understand it and hold it without feeling like it is us. Mm-hmm. you know and that that is how we really truly begin to heal through these pieces right and 
and I'll, and I'll return to this piece of like, okay, so what do you do with all of these parts? Well, as you begin to build trust with the protectors, because they're the gatekeepers. So Mm -hmm. this isn't about bypassing them. You actually have to work with them and build trust with them because they have kept this system running inside of you your whole life. And so it's actually about building a relationship with your protectors so that they then feel safe and supported to open the gate to allow you to access the exile parts. And that's where deep healing starts to happen. Mm -hmm. And as you begin to feel into the heavier pieces with the exhaled parts, they can start to release their burdens, the pain, the emotions, the memories. And this then allows the protectors to feel like they no longer have to step in to protect. Yeah. I'm so funny because I'm like, how would someone identify their protectors? Like, look at all your patterns. Look at all of them. Yes. Just sit down and and again, like even backing up another, like you have to be willing, you know, to figuratively, maybe literally sit in front of a mirror and look at yourself. We do so much work trying to understand and get to know people outside of us. Do it for once to yourself. (laughs) I love this. Christina currently has like a Kleenex in her nose because she has a cold. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. In case you can hear me sniffling. Um, I've just decided to put a piece of Kleenex up my nose so that it stops dripping. Sorry, that's probably TMI, but this is real life right here. I hope you use this part for like our video (laughs) marketing. (laughs) For the advertising. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So we have outlined a little bit around what parts work is, as well as your different parts, the exiled parts, the protector parts, and your deeper self. And now I think it would be great for us to dive into our journey with parts work and really be able to give some examples of how our parts show up in different ways. So do you want to maybe start with a little bit around how your parts have shown up or what your journey has looked like with parts work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, parts work is relatively new to me, meaning actually practicing it and working through my own. I've understood it for a long time. I've kind of identified or become aware, which is sort of, I would say the first step is don't even try to understand, just try to again to recognize those patterns in, you know, triggering moments or conflicting moments or where emotions are high. Look at your patterns, look at what you do to cope, what you do to dissociate those and keep trailing that back, right? So awareness first. So I've kind of mastered that, but really I would say it's been in this last year where I've really started to do some of the work to see them in the moment that they're showing up, take that moment, and, and then begin to actually work with that part of me. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll start with a more like reoccurring smaller example uh, where definitely a part comes online, but I can very quickly, you know, let's say have a chat in bunny quotations with it um, and sort of diffuse that from from them sort of taking the wheel, if you will. Whereas a more polarizing example of when I was like, wow, because I thought I had done so much healing and then had a moment where like I completely spiraled out of control. Um, and I think, you know, when you're doing parts work, you'll notice like, oh, there's little protectors or, um, you know, your managers that come online throughout the day. And those are less kind of serious takeovers, if you will, but then there can be major ones. And I think yeah. that's when, you know, we've, we've struck gold here, struck oil, whatever you want to call it. 
that that you've been triggered in a there in a way in a part that maybe there's still a lot more work to to do yeah um and so that that smaller example you know i noticed this again in my relationship with tori conscious relationships guys it's just it's big it's a big doozy (laughs) um and this one's more just a mechanism that i can see throughout like my entire life and so this is a manager for me but maybe in a way i guess a firefighter too like it creates distraction so when tori and i will get trick like i'll get triggered by tori you know the little squabbles that every couple has i notice that even if we are sitting on the couch like this literally happened a couple weeks ago i will get up instantly i will still continue the conversation i'm not walking away but i have to start cleaning mm. i like any we know when we've had a little disagreement because the kitchen is polished <laughs> <laughs> I will start going through drawers, reorganizing the cutlery, like getting any like random spot on the counter, the dishwasher unloaded. I have to be cleaning and moving and distracting as I'm talking because I think what it does is it allows me not to become emotionally engulfed in, in that exiled or really triggered part in me that wants to show up, right, and feel into that. Um, and so, you know, one thing I started to do is now I have the awareness when I'm beginning to do that and I will actually stop myself and go and sit down and sit in the discomfort of what's coming up as opposed mm. to continuing to clean through that. So this is interesting to me now. So, and I want to just get a clear idea of how this shows up. So you guys something will happen between the two of you. Maybe it's an argument or you get triggered. And then are you verbally communicating what you're experiencing while you're cleaning or you're doing the cleaning to avoid having to? No, simultaneously. Okay. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is so, this is so interesting for me because, and I don't know whether it's my ADHD, I would not be able to do that. I -hmm. would not be able to verbally communicate while I'm cleaning something or Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But your but it almost keeps you more in flow. Yeah. I think because I mean, there's definitely a protector that comes online there that wants to continue the conversation. And I can't allow my emotions to interfere with that. Like I need to get my point across. And if I'm sitting in stillness, I will probably become emotional and and get too entrenched in the emotions that are coming up for me as opposed to continuing on the, not that I'm arguing for the sake of arguing, but if I don't feel like I've won. And so this is like a shadow piece as well that's showing up here, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but I will notice that if if something gets really triggering in the conversation, I will have to pause the cleaning, but I will not come back and sit down. Like I will like, <gasps> like slam the dishwasher shut, say what I need to say, and then continue. <laughs> so I know, I guess also just like back to, you know, one of the first steps is like becoming aware. So I'm on this part of my journey where those are more like routine type protectors that are coming up. And so, you know, those are the micro moments, the micro disagreements where it's like, hey, if I can start noticing those, I can start seeing like the little triggers that really are all rooted back to a bigger trigger there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. And so just saying like, I now stop myself, I'm like, oh, something's coming online here. That's making me do this, right? It would just be like, if you got in an argument with your spouse and you shut down and instantly go to scrolling on social media, right? So yeah. it's a distraction tool. It's, it's a bit of a dissoci- dissociating away from your feelings that are coming up in that situation. 
Totally. A hundred percent. And, and I would get, so this is where I would get curious with what would your protector need in that moment to feel supported so that the cleaning or the busyness wouldn't have to happen because there is a form of, as long as I'm doing this we it keeps us afloat. Mm-hmm. And there, so there would be that piece that I would get curious with. And the other part there would be you know, there is a part of you that believes that sounds to me like there's some sort of belief here that it's not okay to be emotional or it's not okay to. For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it creates vulnerability, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I can hold it together, I'm not vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Which that speaks to your childhood. Right? Yeah. Because- There's even moments where like, I'm so triggered. I, and Tori will look at me as I grab the dishcloth and I'll say, I need to keep cleaning right now. <laughs> as I talk, like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, Allow yeah. me to do it or I'm going to fucking lose it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the awareness, like that's the first piece, right? It's, it's having, oh, yeah. it's having that awareness. Um, yeah. like, okay, I can see that I'm doing this. And with awareness is where we change, like create the change if we want to. And on that piece, just for anyone who's like, oh, I don't want to dig into this. This sounds like a whole nother thing. I've never even discovered about myself that I maybe don't want to. Again, and I say this a lot, actually, in my breath work, pain or the parts of us or the experiences, whatever it is, like, we don't always have to know what to do with it yet. Mm, yeah. Just creating awareness you will naturally begin like if you're on your path and you know you've been doing some of the work like you will naturally begin to kind of unravel that but you know i think a lot of them we we resist even looking at it because we're like well once i know then i'll have to do something about it no not necessarily like it's not a race we don't need to feel like oh i have all this healing work to do and i gotta get on and i have to do everything with everything i uncover like no sometimes it's just baby steps and like just creating awareness is already more than what half of the population will probably yeah. ever do. Yeah. Right. And when yeah. you become aware, there's moments then where you get to interject and see it. And totally. that situation gets to maybe be a little bit different. Well, and I find if it's something that I'm supposed to be focusing on, it gets pretty obvious to me. It either keeps showing up or mm-hmm. it becomes so uncomfortable that I have to make a change. Yeah in terms of, you know, how I'm supporting myself through that or like how I'm looking at it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I wanted to explain that because when I say I had to make a change, I don't necessarily mean changing the parts of me. It means changing maybe how I approach the situation or how I'm supporting myself in it. Yeah. But, I love that. Yeah. And, and, but you're right. We don't always have to do something with everything. And this actually leads into my, one of my protector pieces, which is, I mean, God, I have so many. (laughs) My protectors are strong and loud. (laughs) They are. But, you know, one that I have slowly been building more and more understanding around over the course of the last five years, but especially it's something that's popped up again more recently, is I definitely, though I have never been diagnosed with OCD, I definitely feel like... I'm, I'm somewhere on that spectrum. And I, I learned a lot about OCD uh, when I was starting to learn about um, my anxiety early in my healing journey. And I realized that 
a lot of my anxiety would actually show up in the form of obsessive compulsive thoughts. And originally in my 20s, this was around my health and my body and thinking that I was constantly dying. And I'm not saying like, you know, once in a while I would have like a thought of like, oh, I'm going to die. No, like I would be, it would be in my mind constantly Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where I was Googling multiple times a day, multiple different symptoms, different things. I thought I was dying from so many different things at once. And so I, I, I want to just be careful there because I think that sometimes we can hear something and think, oh my God, I have that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it goes further than that. Like, like OCD, it's like an obsessive compulsive over a very, it's like very consistent over a long amount of time. And I've had this my whole life. Um, I can remember even being a kid and just, you know, having these thoughts at night about death and where we go after death and it would keep me up and I would have insomnia and it was like, so I've had this my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so I started to learn about the OCD. And then when I became a mom, I started having obsessive compulsive thoughts about something happening to the kids and about them getting hurt or experiencing the same trauma that I had experienced and that just took over my brain at all times and it was horrific um and that was really where my healing it it was like the deepest darkest place in my healing but also where I really began to create some massive shifts I've come to realize that ooh, I'm just having a moment of clarity here that it often has to do with the most vulnerable thing in my life so before I had kids, it it was my health and my body and staying alive. And then I had kids and it was about my kids. It's a firefighter, right? It's this addiction to these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, sometimes I wonder too, if there's a manager in there as well, who's trying to be preventative. In some yeah, way. it's it's so interesting because you're seeing like this pattern, right? And you're rooting it back to something that happened to some other part of you decades ago. Yeah. But here it is. So again, this is why the inner child stuff, like it is, it is the most vulnerable. And that's why so much of what we talk about always goes back to your childhood, big T or little T trauma, because this is how it presents, right? We create whole other parts of us to protect that little girl or little boy inside of us. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. My my question, because I feel like you are more well-versed on this topic than I am, but with the, you know, obsessive thoughts, because that actually kind of leads into my more like deeper parts example, is how does that protect us? Because to me, like when you're having obsessive thoughts about something that obviously is triggering you, it almost feels like you're more in it. Like you're not disassociating, you're not distracting from the thing that's causing you pain or emotion. You're actually replaying it a hundred million times. So how do you think that that actually acts as a protector to us? Is it because there's a deeper something underneath that and therefore it is distraction? Uh, I'm curious about that. I love that you asked this question because oof, this is stuff that I know because I dove so deep into understanding how this works when I was really dealing with all of my intrusive thoughts, being a mom and having like how I mentioned just a little while ago here, how I started to have all those intrusive thoughts about the kids 
and their safety. And it was so debilitating that I just had to figure out like what was going on. Mm. And this is actually where Cheryl Paul's work actually really helped me. And so for anyone who feels like you have ruminating nonstop intrusive thoughts, you should look into Cheryl Paul's work. Her book, The Wisdom of, the Wisdom of Anxiety was a game changer for me, like truly changed my mm. life. But here's what happens when we have these nonstop thoughts we can think that we're actually staying connected to what that topic is or what that piece is that we are scared of. But below those thoughts is actually a feeling and an experience and a sensation or emotions or pain that we are not connecting to. And staying in the thoughts actually protects us from feeling what we Mm. need to feel. And so something you can actually ask yourself if you're listening to this and you do have these experiences is, A cutting edge question, and I learned this through Cheryl Paul's work, is what is this thought protecting me from feeling? Hmm. And then you could even use this with your protectors is what is this protector trying to protect me from feeling or experiencing? And thoughts as a form of anxiety also keep us up in our mind and not in our bodies. Hmm. Because when we will have had an experience that we can't process or move through or release, we will shut off from our bodies and go up to our minds where we feel like we can control or feel in control or our thoughts can come up with a plan or keep us safe in some way when really it's, it's Hmm. futile. This is so interesting to me because, and I can jump into this example, but when you talk about coming up with a plan, that's, that's it for me because I feel if I have to get into the body and into feeling it before I actually get there from the thought, I have to have a level of acceptance that this is how it is. Yeah. And I think if I stay in my thoughts, I feel I will come up with an idea or a different perspective or a different solution and I'll be able to solve it. Yeah. And it won't feel like it just perpetuates. Yeah. Well, it's, it. it's a form of resistance, but it's a really ambiguous one because we actually don't think we're resisting it. We think we're coming up with a plan or fixing it. Yeah. When really it's, there is a part of us that doesn't want to accept that, Hey, maybe this could happen or there is some truth here or like, you know, and it doesn't mean that it will necessarily, but there we do. I love that you brought up the acceptance piece. We have to face it. Mm. That's the only way that we can move through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is so interesting. (laughs) So my example for some context, maybe, because I'd love to hear more of your opinion on this now that we're getting into this piece. Um, Maybe I'll start with the current day situation and then what I figured out, like what part this was that was coming up for me. But I had this moment, obviously, in the last couple of years, I've developed a breathwork business and done a lot of my own healing. We have our podcast and I began sharing more of my story and my experience online in in public forum. And that has shocked a lot of people. kind of to my surprise, because I feel everyone's story is is theirs to tell in whatever way they want to. Um, and so, you know, I had an incident where I was just like going about my life, da, 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 and this is how typically rock bottoms happen for me. Out of nowhere, they just slap me across the face. Mm-hmm. And in this conversation with this person, basically, you know, in short, they said like, 
don't like that you're sharing your story and basically in a way like you should be ashamed of yourself and I don't want you in my life like to cut to the chase there and I just remember that feeling like a bullet hit me in the chest like actually physically took my breath out of me Mm -hmm. and I just remember instantly I would say that's probably the closest I've ever been to a panic attack in my life where like the room is spinning and the thoughts just start going on like four times speed and I'm like racing in my head like if I was pacing I would have I swear I paced a hole into the floor and it's so interesting because when you brought up this idea that the protector is keeping us up there and now just reflecting on it it's like oh i was trying to come up with another way that this ends like or another solution to how i could fix this and then when i'm like well why like why did this feel like literally i was dying or like my life was ending in that moment and when i trail it back to this more exiled part of me that experienced something similar with my mom where we became estranged from each other because she rejected me in the same fashion I was experiencing circa 2021 to a 14-year-old test to that exiled version of me, that young wounded me, that was like death being severed from, you know, your, your caregiver, this person who's supposed to indefinitely love you. So every time I feel rejection or abandonment by someone that I feel close with or should love me, it feels like I'm literally losing my life. Like I'm losing my support system or a part of like, you know, this other external part of me that's supposed to always love me. Yeah. And so it's just very, very interesting. And that one, again, wasn't like me cleaning the kitchen where I have awareness of it. I was in a full spiral. So just Oh yeah. You know, for the listener being aware, like there's parts that show up, but they're happily like able to go again. I always think of the driving the car analogy. They're happy to go back in the passenger seat once you've kind of given them some love, attention. But then there's these other parts of you that like once they get triggered in the right way, like they're bare knuckling that steering wheel and they are driving the show because they are you're you're spiraling at that point. Yeah, well and, and they will come online to truly help you survive because yeah. they, ha- they and and it's like survival. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get complete nervous system dysregulation. Yes. Where we're in full freeze or you know in such a heightened fight or flight that you can't think like you're thinking but you can't think straight like it's just you're gone. Everything goes back to like whatever you're ruminating on. Yeah. 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 And like we even have a you know a girlfriend that this has happened to recently and I think it's just really important to note because It doesn't matter if you're a year, two years, 20 years into your healing journey, this type of situation where a part really comes online and does not let go of the wheel, it's there to show you like there's still more work to do here, right? Like there's more acceptance, there's more that this part of you needs that you need to pay attention to, Uh, but it can feel like... I don't know, just like a hundred steps in the wrong direction. And like, you almost begin to doubt yourself. Like, did I do the work right? Like, why am I broken? All these things. I think this episode around creating awareness that no, you're not broken. And these parts aren't bad. It's like, they're trying to show you something, something that still needs your attention. Yeah. And, and I would say too, that the bigger, the emotional response, that protector is going to take more time to build trust with. Hmm. Right. So Absolutely. when you, when you give that example that you just gave, 
it sounds to me like that protector really came online and really helped you survive in what was a death for you in some ways. Yeah. And, and so this isn't just about being like, Hey, yeah, I see what you've been doing. I'm here to take over now. No, 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 no. This is about working as a team because that protector has done a damn good job up until now helping Mm -hmm. you survive. Yeah. That, that version that comes online has shown up in all rock bottoms because it's always around like betrayal, abandonment, rejection. Right. Um, you know, and I, I do think too, like, again, one of the reasons why this work is so important is because those exiled parts of us are actually able to heal whatever they're carrying and they're more willing to give up the role they used to play for a more favorable one. Again, it's not about continuing to exile them. It's about how can you still allow to keep us safe? That's in a way that's moving us forward. That's not like limiting us or weighing us down or creating reactions that maybe we don't need to now because our environment has changed. The tools Mm. we have have changed, right? Maybe this leads into how we can work with the various parts and we'll give you kind of a way of, um, you know, an example of how you can move through something. I've got different prompts that I can provide, but one way is when you are building trust with some of these parts, you know, especially with these protectors who have played such an important role. And I really want to reiterate that like these parts have kept you safe and yeah, maybe it's not the best behaviors you wanted for yourself, or maybe it's not the greatest tendencies and patterns, but Mm -hmm. you have to get to a place of finding gratitude for these parts because they have gotten you to this point. Mm-hmm. through all of the things you've been through. And so it's not about saying, Hey, you're done now. It's actually mm-hmm. like one way you can work with them is giving them a new role. Mm-hmm. Creating internal family harmony. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. The yeah. less we can fragment the parts, the more we can bring them all together, yes. which sounds like crazy. I'm sure like someone listening that has never done any work is like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. Look it up, Google it. <laughs> Yeah. And there's lots of, there's, gosh, there's so much work out there. You could look up Google and see so many different graphics. That's a great place to start as well. If you're wanting to just have a visual Mm -hmm. of how this all works. So in terms of an exercise for working with your parts, I'm going to give you some prompts that you can move through here and feel free to pause as we go. If you want to write things down, or you could even allow yourself to move through these prompts as I'm saying them and pause and sit with some of the different pieces. So whatever works for you, but this could be a great way to start to work with some of your parts. So number one, I want you to think of a situation lately where you have felt a trigger or a challenge or a conflict within yourself and really start to think about this situation. Maybe who was involved? Where did this occur? What were you experiencing personally or what emotions were showing up? And now, once you have reflected on that piece, I want you to think about maybe even just starting to point out or see one of the parts that is showing up here, probably a protector in some way. Can you distinguish whether it is a manager or whether it is a firefighter? Keeping in mind that our managers always work in preventative ways. And our firefighters always work in reactive ways. So it's usually after we have experienced the trigger, whereas the managers will work more preventatively. 
Okay. And start to see what part or parts are showing up, right? And this would be a great, a great exercise where you're writing these things down. Okay. And now what you want to start to do is see if you can connect with one of these parts and see what are they communicating to you? How are they trying to protect you? What might they be protecting you from feeling or experiencing on a deeper level? What are they saying, needing, communicating, wanting, desiring, right? And as you're doing this, you're embodying your deeper self in this moment. You're getting curious. You're building connection. You're learning how to have compassion, right? So, so really embodying some of those different C's. This is how you start to connect more with your deeper self is starting to take the stance, right? And continuing to connect with your protector, what would it take in order for your protector to be able to let you connect with the exiled part beneath? Mm -hmm. And I want to say here, sometimes you will not get this access the first time, the second time, the third time. Sometimes this takes a bit of time, especially if it is a really deep exiled part of you that feels very vulnerable and tender that you have not accessed for a very long time. So don't have expectations with this. It might take a bit. Sometimes the good work is actually building a relationship with the protector and coming back to the protector over and over until you're able to get below this to the exiled part. I think just on that, you know, working in, in breath work, which could also be felt by people that try and meditate and they're like, I can, my brain won't shut off. I'm just thinking of like what to cook for dinner. That's a protector showing up. That's not a lot of people are like, oh, my mind's just too busy. It never works for me. No, actually, that is a protector because you probably have never connected to an exiled part of you. You've never sat long enough to like feel into your past experiences. So it takes like sometimes when people do breath work for the first time, like, oh, it was like hard for me to get in. It's like, oh yeah. Yep. And we, you need to show that you're safe in your breath. You're safe in your body. You're safe in stillness. You're safe in exploring emotions. And slowly it's like chipping away at it slowly, especially men I find are much harder. They've built up a thicker wall or protector inside. Yeah. And so that slowly has to be worked down in order for them to feel safe enough to allow the access you're talking about. Yeah. It's just, I've just seen it so many times and in, in real time that you're just making me think of that. Yeah. And, and I love that you said that piece because I've also worked with many clients who will start this work and you know, we'll start to work with a protector and I can see them physically shut mm. down. Like, nope. And I'm like, that's okay. And so <laughs> we kind of go at it from a different angle, right? Like, what does this protector want to say? What do they feel is their role? What mm. are they annoyed that they've been doing this? Right. I really try to build in there. Like, this isn't about actually getting to the exile part. It's about building a relationship with the protector. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that's the real important piece here. Yeah. Right. And, and as you start to do this, you will be able to go deeper and deeper, but this process takes time. Right. And, and really feeling into what the different parts are needing on different levels and keeping in mind that the protector still needs to have a role. This isn't about taking a role from them. It's about being a team, you know, mm -hmm. and, and how can you move forward together?
I love that part because one tool I was going to add was, again, I think it really helps when you even just starting with the inner child, which there's probably an exiled part of your childhood, right? And so having um, like a picture of your younger self, whether that's in your office, in your bathroom, like wherever it is, like something you'll see every day can really help you get into the practice of almost reparenting yourself, like the way that you would parent your child. Like you said there, it's not about getting rid of or exiling or banishing that part of you. It's about, you know, getting to know them, but also reestablishing what your relationship is going to be. Just like you would parent your child when they're freaking out. I mean, not that we do it all the time, but we try to, if you're trying conscious parenting is like validate what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. Get curious. Like, why are you feeling this way? Are you hungry? Are you upset from something that happened? Right. We don't just go to like, gosh, like, why are you acting this way? Blah, blah, blah. Not that, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of that sometimes, but you know what I mean? Like trying to now do that to yourself, like you would yeah. to your own children. Yeah. How can you get curious in that way? And sometimes I find if you put a picture of yourself as a child somewhere, well, you'll see it, you'll begin being able yeah. to actually almost see these other parts of yourself, especially when they show up in that emotional way, it helps you to reconnect like, oh yeah, there's that little person inside of me or whatever it is. And here's the protector that's protecting yeah. that little version, right? Yeah. Whatever yeah. Age. yeah. yeah. And, and often for me, it, it can tend to be sometimes a teenage version of me that's protecting or teenage Christina, man, she's a good protector. I'm envious of her sometimes. (laughs) My protectors are more like managers. They're, they're just, you know, like distracting, like we're over here. You got like aggressive protectors. Sometimes like, oh God, I wish I had that. No. (laughs) We always want what we can have. (laughs) Right? Exactly. (sighs) Well, I feel like, you know, we've covered quite a bit here and the truth of the matter is that this isn't easy work it's deep work and it's you know we say it time and time again it's a journey it's a process and we don't i i don't believe we ever perfect this stuff we just get better at supporting ourselves and learning strategies and tools and parts work is such a great tool Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and again like just a reminder to listeners we don't share this to say oh look at all the parts of you that you feel are broken and all the pain and but why we highlight that on the show is because the whole idea is not about healing it's about being able to become the most like expanded aligned version of yourself and you know maybe we need to do a better job of sharing like how this work allows us to do that but what we're trying to share with you is the experiences where it's really messy because you don't get that on a lot of podcasts don't get that in a lot of books because if you can see yourself in one of our kind of painful experiences which is typically when these things show up like it's not when we're in bliss right um you can begin to see like how to use some of this these tools this awareness this knowledge to really help you in your journey it's not this journey to heal all this brokenness it's this journey to become the most aligned expanded version of yourself but it also requires stepping through like the shitty stuff the muck the muck the icky stuff but to get to the other side you got to go through yeah Yeah. I love that you said that because really that is why we share is, you know, if there's one thing I've really learned on my journey of sharing, it's that it helps not only create deeper connection, but we're all human. We're all 
getting through the muck, but Mm -hmm. there's also really beautiful parts to it as well. And if there's one thing I've really experienced with parts work, it's this really deep compassion and love and safety I've been able to create within myself. So, yeah, I love that. Okay. My friends. Well, if you have any questions and need any support, you can reach out to Tessa Rye on social media. You can reach Tess at her unearthed and you can reach myself, Christina at Christina.soulempowered. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and let us know what you think. We always appreciate a review. If you found this to be helpful, any feedback is great. And please share with anyone that you think it could help. Thanks everyone. Bye. Have a great day. Bye.